with you, Ruth, and I enjoyed our time with you last night. Thank you for those who organized it. It was a wonderful evening of bringing back uh, so, many mem- so many memories. And uh, it's lovely to be back. When we were here, when I was putting Matthew to sleep, when I spoke, uh, I used to, when I was a curate, we used to be upstairs and the children used to be downstairs. And my prayer every Sunday was, Lord, don't let this ceiling collapse on top of the children. When Simon gave me the order of service this morning, it says, welcome to the Harvest Thanksgiving service, the 19th Sunday after Trinity. It reminded me of a time when I was assigned by the Bishop of Narrimbi to, to serve at the cathedral in Narrimbi, the Anglican cathedral in uh, the capital city, Kampala. And Ruth and I were going away on holidays and I was due to preach when I came back from holidays, but we're only getting back on the Saturday. So I prepared a sermon on Daniel. And when we got back, um, I went into the vestry and the lady who was leading the service was her first time to lead the service. And she was incredibly nervous and I was trying to keep her calm and whatever. And when we went in, marched in behind the choir, into the cathedral, she went to the leader's desk, I went to the preacher's desk, and the first words out of her mouth were, welcome to the harvest service this morning. Now, there was nothing in in the church. Nobody had told me it was harvest. I'm not sure if you've ever heard a sermon at harvest on Daniel. (laughs) And I was trying, when I was sitting there, will I or will I not switch? But I felt God had given me this message. And I was speaking about the integrity of Daniel and how he was able to stand up and say no to things. And I really got fired up that morning because some of the people sitting in the cathedral had squandered money building uh, the Synod Hall, which was at the lower hill of Narrimbi. And I said, some of you sitting here this morning haven't had the courage to stand up and say no to corruption. And I went on with this line and... um, there was a Sunday Vision newspaper that used to have an agony ant column in it. And I said, some of you are sitting here this morning. I'm glad the young people and children have left. But some of you are here and you're young people. And you're, we read this in the, in the newspaper. I'm a girl of 15. I'm going out with a boy for the last two months. He wants to have sex with me. I said... And he said, I don't love him if I don't. And I said, girls, have the courage to stand up and say no. I went into the office uh, the next morning. And one of the ladies said, that was a great sermon you preached yesterday. And I said, but you don't go to the church. How do you know what I preached on? She said, it's in the the New Vision newspaper on Monday morning. Page three of the Sunday Vision newspaper says, Reverend S. They couldn't pronounce Trevor. They thought Trevor was my surname. And Stevenson was the Christian name. Reverend S. Trevor, in his uh, sermon at the Harvest Mass in Narimbi Cathedral yesterday, told girls to stand up and say no to sex. That was the headline. So anyway, this morning, I'm not going to tell you what to do and what not to do, but um, it's not altogether a harvest sermon, but there is a little bit of harvest in it. So let's just pray as we begin together. Father, would you come in the power of your spirit? And speak into every heart this morning, whether it's online, whether it's people sitting here. Lord, speak afresh to each one of us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
The question I want to ask each of you this morning is very simply this. Who are you influencing? Who are you influencing? Who has been the person in your life that has influenced you most and discipled you for Christ? When Jesus was here on earth, he he worked very closely with 12 disciples. And he really influenced those 12 guys. And 11 of them went on to spread the gospel. And that's why you and I are sitting here today. For example, in my life, there was, there was many people who influenced me in my Christian life. But there's four people in particular. Three of them are dead and one of them are still alive. Growing up, my dad was a huge influence to me in my Christian life. The way he, he conducted himself, the way he acted. Not that my mother wasn't either. But I'm talking about men particularly in my life. The second person who had a huge influence in my life was and Fanta will know this person, Reverend C.A.B. Williams. Most of you won't know who he was, but he was our minister at the time. And uh, he was the one who led me to Christ, led me to Jesus. So I became a follower of Jesus. And I can still remember Cabby. We used to call him Cabby. I'm not sure if we called him that to his face or not, but I can't remember. Probably not as a child because I would have been clipped around the years. But I can still remember him in the pulpit. And... Uh, he would start, when he was trying to make a point, he would hit the Bible a thump and he said, it's not what I say, it's what the Bible says. And he gave me a, a great desire to follow what the Bible says. Third person who was a huge influence in my life is sitting uh, to my left and to your right, Fanta Clark. He came after Cabby Williams to Crinkin and I was somebody who was sitting in the pew. Uh, what you used to say up here in Donningstown and Marilyn at one time was saved and stuck. I was sitting in the pew doing nothing. And uh, Ken brought me out of my side, discipled me. And I can still remember him bringing me to, to various places. But after the first time he did it, we knew what was coming next. Will you share a word of testimony? Will you do this? Will you do that? Uh, as I went with him. So Ken, huge thank you to you for the influence that you've had in my life. And of course, when I was here as a curate, Dean Roland Hutchinson had a huge influence. Gave me probably a boldness to preach that I didn't have before I came to to be here and uh, I thank him for that and also for him seeing the vision and the dream that I had in what has become the story of Fields of Life so those are some of the people who have influenced my life and I've tried to do that in one or two people who are around me and influencing them and encouraging them for Christ so who is it that has influenced you most But I think the more important question is, who are you influencing for Christ? One of the most interesting stories and inspiring stories in the Bible is the story of Joseph. We read the last part of the the story of Joseph, or Helen read it for us. But you remember when Joseph was a young man back in chapter 37 of Genesis, he had uh, some dreams and it was to do with harvest, and it was to do with famine. There was going to be seven years of harvest, and there was going to be seven years of famine. And Joseph was the one who, who organized Egypt into growing food. Enough food in those seven years of plenty, so that would get them through the seven years of famine. Do you remember the time he told the dreams to his brothers, who were utterly jealous of him? 
and uh, they were going to kill him but then they sent him into to be a slave they sold him as a slave in Egypt and when he arrived in, in Egypt <clears throat> his master was you remember his master's name was Potiphar and uh, Joseph was a very intelligent clever young guy and uh, he had huge talents and he did the best of everything that, that he did that he was assigned to do so he was a huge influence to those who were around him especially to Potiphar Potiphar trusted him to, to do many things and go many places and he put everything in his household under Joseph's care unfortunately not only did Joseph catch the attention of Potiphar but also of Potiphar's wife and Potiphar's wife had not such good intentions for, for Joseph who was a strong he was a handsome young man but Joseph stood by his integrity and rejected her advances and if you read this story she was so enraged that she lied to Potiphar about Joseph and how Joseph had uh, seduced her and now you see Potiphar is put in a spot what is he going to do is he going to listen to Joseph or is he going to listen to his wife and so in order to save his own face Potiphar put Joseph into prison now one of Potiphar's jobs he was also uh, captain of the guard of, of Pharaoh and uh, he looked after the prison and so he put Joseph in prison Joseph again in prison was a guy of integrity and soon he was such good character that he soon won the jailer's trust and, and so Joseph was given the responsibility of, of taking care of the daily needs of, of the other prisoners there and such was his testimony of Joseph that everywhere he went he won the trust of people around him that he was in charge of. He was an influencer. Imagine somebody of less character. They would have got very bitter and twisted and angry and annoyed and whatever else at being put in, in, in prison because they'd done nothing wrong. They probably wouldn't have done the work well. They would have been lazy. But not Joseph. Joseph was in a special cell uh, with other prisoners. And um, this particular day, uh, Joseph was able to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh's baker and cupbearer who had also been thrown into prison. And so when the baker and the cupbearer got out of jail, Joseph said to them, please remember me to those who, who matter. But time went by and uh, Joseph was forgotten about. But Pharaoh had a dream and he couldn't interpret it. And somebody remembered Joseph and Joseph was called and he helped interpret the dream. And as a result of Joseph interpreting that dream, he was given the responsibility to carry out the plan to store up grain for seven years that would cater for the seven years of famine that were to come. A famine that did come and because of what Joseph did as he gathered up that harvest he um, stored up grain and saved many lives and the story of Joseph is uh, inspiring because it represents to us a man who lives with a sense of calling who lives with a sense of purpose who lives with a sense of destiny for his life and you know this is how we should all live our lives 
But sometimes we say we cannot live like him. Because why? We have a long list of excuses. You can say I can't be like him because I have family problems at home. Or people have betrayed me. Or I've been wrongly accused. Oh, I have too many difficulties in my life. I'm too old or I'm too young. Think again about Joseph. He had more difficulties to face than any of us will ever face in our lives. And yet he continues to trust God and keeps him on track right to the very end. When Helen read for us in chapter 50 that what others intended for harm, God intended for good. And God has a purpose for each one of us. And the awareness of God's calling, the awareness of God's purpose, is what keeps Joseph going. He does not lose hope and he does not give up. He has a great attitude. And it helps him to be diligent in everything he does. Not to win the praise of men, but to do it, doing it as doing it unto God. So what about you here this morning? What about calling? Are you here this morning and maybe you've just dropped in for the first time. I don't know whether this is your first time in church or you've been coming every Sunday. But have you felt that sense of calling from God to come and put your faith and trust in him? Maybe that's you this morning and that's the decision you need to make today. To give your life to Jesus. But maybe you're sitting here. And like I was. Helen and, and Fanta wanted me to sit between them this morning. Because the last time I sat between them at a conference. God called me to go uh, into to Uganda. And well it was a long story. Again you can read it in the book. So take the book home. And you can read that bit of it. But has God called you to do something? And you've downright refused. Or you're still thinking about that calling, that dream that God has given you. You see, we, we, we have this mistake that we think it's only Simon or the bishop or those who, Emma, or those who lead up front are called, the worship leader. But we're all called. We're all called of God to do what it is. So if you're here this morning, you're a teacher or a businessman, you're a manager, you're a service provider, you're an accountant, you're a lawyer, a parent, a student, and the list can go on and on. God has called you to be in a position of influence. And if you can see that, if you can hear that calling and obey it, it will change the way you conduct yourself. Every day when you go to work, every day when you go to college, you will act as and speak like a servant of God. And Simon knows that there's places that you go tomorrow that he cannot go into places of work where you are. But God has called you to bring the aroma of Christ into that place. So others will wonder, what is it about you? And you'll be able to lead them, maybe not straight away, but over time, to Christ. They will see something different about you. They'll be drawn towards you because of the way you act and conduct yourself. You'll be able to influence them for Christ.
God has also gave Joseph a purpose. And that purpose was to save many people during the time of famine. These are difficult times we are living in. We were praying this morning about the many wars that are around. But life is finite. Life is fragile. Life is a gift of God and we breathe. The very breath we breathe comes from God. Therefore, we must live the lives for his purpose, by his strength. And we read in Matthew 9 that the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. God has a purpose for your life. There's people all around you here in Donningstown who are searching for the truth, but they don't know where to find it. And they might never walk through this door, but you might meet them in the shop tomorrow. You might meet them in the hospital. You might meet them wherever. And God says, you are to be that harvester. If God told you tomorrow that you had 100 days to live, I wonder would you live your life any different than you're living it at this present moment in time? We need to think about eternal things. Things that matter most and invest our time and energy in. One day, our lives on this earth will end, as you know only too well. Nothing else will matter, only what we've done for Jesus. One of Roland's, Dean Roland's great phrases was to redeem the time. He said, Trevor, there's nothing you can do about what happened yesterday. But redeem time. Make sure you make sure that you lead others to Jesus. We don't want to be consumed by worldly pleasures, by distractions, by squabbles. Let's be productive and fruitful. Let's draw in that harvest. We're thanking God for the harvest, for the material harvest. But let's think about the spiritual harvest. Let's draw people into him. Every day is a day we should be listening to a new order from our God to accomplish his mission. And life will never be boring. I remember somebody saying to me when I left farming, they said, well, life's going to become very boring. I can tell you something, it's been anything but boring. And it's been exciting. There's been lots of challenges on the way, yes. But it's never been boring. And the great thing is this. We're not doing this in our own strength. We're doing this in his strength. That's who Joseph trusted in. And that's who we need to trust in too. And then destiny. I wish to suggest that the definition of destiny is to fulfill the plan and purpose God has for our lives. And it's nothing to do with human effort. It's nothing to do with self-improvement or self-help. It's nothing to do with becoming rich or famous or anything else. Destiny is to become all that God wants us to be. Joseph finally came into that position where the famine came. And he was able to save many lives, not just from the nation of Egypt, but from all around. And even his brothers came. And if we want to be in that place, we have to allow him to lead us each day. Listen to him. We may not know every trial and difficulty we, we have faced or are going to face Some of those trials and uh, difficulties have been preparation, as Joseph had. Be encouraged 
to be continue to be faithful in everything you do. So how do we respond to something that we've, we've heard this morning? Let's sort of bring the plane into land a little bit. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29 that God has plans. For I know that my plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plan to give you hope in a future. Therefore we need to seek God persistently to help us to fulfill his plan and purposes for our lives. And you may be saying, but I feel God has called me to do this, but I'm not sure. The one thing I am sure of, and when Fields of Life started, I wasn't sure, was this some cockeyed idea that a young curate had to, to, to go to Uganda and do, to do farming, which we never actually, we did do farming, but it ended up education and everything else. But I tell you this, the one prayer that I pray so often is, God, if this is not of you, close the door. And many doors have been closed but praise God, some doors have been opened and God will lead the way. So if you're someone here this morning and you're feeling, I just don't know whether to step this way or not. Step that way and ask God to either open the door or close it and follow his leading. God promises again in Jeremiah 31 that when we seek him, he will show us great and unsearchable things which we do not know. In Romans 8, tells us to be led by the Holy Spirit because he will lead you where you need to go. Again, fields of life. I had no idea. I'd admit I had no idea when I left here with Ruth to go to Uganda. And I thought to set up a farm project. I've left farming behind. I love farming, but why am I going back to Uganda to farm? But that was God's way of getting me to Uganda. So we could start education. It's in the book. Um, God asked me to build a school. Was some uh, great sense of humour of God. God has a wonderful sense of humour. Because I was useless in school. And uh, my mother used to despair of me. And I tried to encourage her one day. I said, Mum, I came second in the exams today. And she got all excited under my breath. She didn't hear me saying second last. (laughs) That was my usual position. So friends, if God can use me, I can tell you he can use any one of you. If you knew me before God called me, God can use any one of you. There's no exception. No exception whatsoever. And God will lead us on the road and journey of life. When we follow him, he will be with us all the way. We must live in that way to to bring others to Jesus. Pray to God that you will become a man or a woman that you were born to become. Let Christ change you from inside out and make you all that he intended you to be. And pray, I do not want to remain the same as I have always been. And on that final day, when the Lord calls us home, I pray that he will hear from from him, a well done, good and faithful servant. And you know, I was only thinking last night, <clears throat> the likes of my dad, the likes of Cabby Williams, the likes of Dean Rowland Hutchison. Fanta's still here, so he's still, he's still harvesting. But those guys who've gone to be with the Lord, 
Do you know something? They're still reaping a harvest because of the seeds they planted. Just this week, I got a, and I finish with this. Just this week, I got an email from a student. And I was talking about the Ugandans and a but. I was waiting for the but at the end of the email, but none came, which was great. Hope this email finds you well. I'm Charles Mutebi, a student and beneficiary of Fields of Life Programme Sponsorship Programme in 1998. Years back, you came to our dilapidated home together with Uncle Kennedy, took pictures, and we filled forms. Honestly, we didn't know what this meant in our lives. The next few years, we began school at Fields of Life Academy in 1998. You gave uniforms, bedsheets, blankets, Bibles, etc., which massively improved our living standards. In addition, you, you gave my mother... Uh, Julia, it's a chance to sell to you art pieces when in return you paid with pounds. This helped improve our living conditions and renovate our dilapidated house. We had fun with you and different people from Northern Ireland, including the President, when she came and paid a visit to our school. We had different, they had different football clubs in, in the school. One was named Stevenson, another was named Hutchison, and there was a few other local players. And you were a very good player. That was nice that somebody called me a good player. With a great left foot, which is actually true. <laughs> Kindly pass on my... Oh, wait now, where is it? He is live, I'm now living... I have, today I've relocated to London and I am a care assistant. The passion, kindness and love you ignited in me is manifest in the way I care for vulnerable adults in England. Nothing big enough I can reward your endeavours. But may God, the good Lord, bless your rentless efforts together with Mrs. Ruth Trevor. That's 27 years ago. But when I look at the pictures of the little ones on, on the screen last night, when I see some of them who have become pastors, who are influencers for Christ, who have given their lives to Jesus, it's absolutely amazing. So friends, you can do the same. Just listen to God's calling. Be like Joseph. Be a man or a woman of integrity, of passion and desire. And God will fulfill your dreams too. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father God, it was in this very place, Marilyn and Donningstown, the little house across in one Victor place, that you imparted to me a vision and a dream. Lord, would you do to the same to the people sitting here today? There's nothing too difficult for you. And Lord, you'll be with us all the way. You have promised that you'll be with us. So Father, I pray for each one here today that they will fulfill the God-driven ideas and dreams that you give them and they will put them into practice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.